Welcome to the Mission North Shore podcast. Chapter 15, looking at verse 1, he says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which is preached to you, which you also received, which also you stand, by which you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which we preach to you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered you of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, which is the Aramaic name for Peter. So He appeared to Peter, and then the twelve, and then He appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until today, but some have fallen asleep or, or died. And then he appeared to James and all of the apostles. And last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared to me. Father, as we come this morning to celebrate what you've done for us in the resurrection, that you've defeated death and and offered us life and eternal life, Lord, we ask that you would send your word now to pierce our hearts. Lord, we pray that you would send your word to accomplish your will. We invite your presence in this place. Lord, we recognize a moment in your presence will change us for all eternity. And we as a church declare that we're desperate for you, Lord. We need you. We ask you to come and speak. Lord, may I decrease and you increase. May it be your words going to do your will. Lord, would you come and bless now in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. As as Paul begins here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, he says, Guys, here's the gospel. Verse 2, by which you're saved. Verse 3, he says, for I delivered it to you of of the first and utmost importance that Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Paul's saying, guys, here's the gospel. Here's the remedy for the current state of humanity. That is, that we, all humanity have sinned against a holy God. And because of that sin, we've been alienated and separated from God. And that we will have to stand before God in judgment for our sins. It says in Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. That's the bad portion of it. But, But here's the beautiful thing. And here's why we're here this morning. That God so radically loves us that he was unwilling to allow us to die in our sin and to be separated from him for all eternity without providing a way to make it right. Amen? That's what Jesus did. He took our judgment. He took my sin, all the messed up, jacked up junk that I have done. He took it on himself and hung upon a cross bearing it. He died He was buried and he rose to prove that he and he alone holds the power over death, that he and he alone can conquer death. That's what the resurrection is. The resurrection is all about hope. Not only that Jesus can conquer death and that's great for him, but then he turns and he offers us eternal life. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's why we're here this morning. 
Then Paul says in verses 3 and 4, he says, all of these things happened according to the scriptures. He died according to the scriptures. It wasn't a good plan gone bad. He died according to the scriptures. Then he was buried, and then he was raised according to the scriptures. That means that, that this didn't just happen. It means that through scripture, God told us what he was going to do ahead of time. We call that prophecy. So that when it happened, we would know that God's at work. That this is his plan. That it was supposed to go down just like this. And that we would have evidence that we got the right faith. That, that we got the right book. That our Jesus is who he claimed to be. With, with hundreds of prophecies, God revealed to us what Christ would do and who he would be. Hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came. It says that he would be pierced. He says, they pierced my hands and feet in Psalm 22. 750 some odd years before Jesus came, Isaiah wrote, Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried, yet ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us like sheep, myself included, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of all of us to fall upon him. 700 years before Jesus came, pointing to Jesus. And the beauty of all of those prophecies culminated in Hosea chapter 13, verse 14, where it says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. Looking forward to Easter. He said, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plague. O grave, I will be your destruction. That, that's looking forward to the hope of the resurrection. Guys, that's why we're here this morning. And then it says in verses 5 through 8 that he appeared to all these different people. It says that he appeared to Peter and then the 12. And then Jesus appeared to more than 500 brethren who, who at the time that Paul wrote this to the Corinthians said that, that many of them still remain even though a few of them have died. And when he appeared to James and then to the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to Paul. Paul saying that in Jerusalem, he, he's telling these Corinthians, he says, in Jerusalem, guys, there's an empty tomb and like 500 people that saw the risen Lord. You don't believe me? Go, go check with those guys because the Lord has risen. There is no Christianity without the resurrection, guys. The gospel will never be complete without the resurrection. The resurrection was the heart of the message of the early church. And this is important to us. There is no real hope, no ultimate hope apart from the resurrection. Because if Jesus hasn't conquered death for you, you are still in your sins. Peter, preaching to some of the very people that had Jesus sent to the cross, said, men of Israel... Listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him, and check this out, in your midst, 
just as you as yourself know. He says, guys, you saw this Jesus. You know what he's all about, and you know what he did. This man, they said, delivered over to the predestined plan and foreknowledge of God. That says that all of these things happen according to the will of God. There was no accident here. There was no good plan gone bad. It happened according to the will of God. It says, you nailed him to the cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But here's the important part for us, church. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held by its power. That's what Jesus has done for us. He's put an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held by its power. Jesus has conquered death for us and given hope to all humanity. The resurrection is hope. Uh, uh, what was it? Not last week. Week before last, I was at a retreat center on, on the mainland and this retreat center was run by a particular group that celebrate what they call the Way of the Cross. And what the Way of the Cross is, is, is 14 different stations that lead up to and, and cover the events of, of Jesus' death, beginning in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then you've got a, a station for his uh, betrayal by Judas, and then a station for his arrest, his trial, and the carrying of the cross, and different events leading up to his scourging, and then leading uh, up through the cross and and it's you know they call it the way of the cross but it's it's a commemoration of, of what they do in israel called the via della rosa which is a path that they believe is the path that jesus walked on his way to death and so i'm walking through these 14 stations of the cross and, and i get to the last one and i'm a little bit amazed and super bummed because cause the last station there was the tomb. And I'm like, dude, why did you end there? Because that's not the end. You, you missed the most important part. That's a horrible place to end. The resurrection's where the hope is. You, you took me through this whole long thing, which is beautiful that Jesus took me and died for my sins and bore the cross and, and was buried and... and Cool, but you missed like the the most important thing. The only thing that makes Good Friday good was that on Sunday he raised from the dead. The only thing that makes the tomb good is that it's empty. That's it. And Paul points that out here in 1 Corinthians. And he makes the point that without the resurrection, there's absolutely nothing. In verse 14, he says, if Christ has not been raised then our preaching is vain and our faith is in vain. In verse 17, he says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you're still in your sins. Those are heavy statements to make. Verse 19, if we've hoped in Christ in this life only, we of all men are most to be pitied, but Christ has been raised. Church, the whole of Christianity hinges on the resurrection. It's the resurrection that sets Jesus apart. It sets him apart from every philosophy and every philosopher. It sets him apart from every religious figure. It sets him apart from every belief system in this world. Jesus said in John chapter 10, 17 and 18, he said, I lay down my life so that I might take it up again. Notice we said, I 
lay down my life so that I might take it up again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Nobody else did that. Nobody else said, guys, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be killed, and then I'm going to be buried, and I'm going to see you guys in three days. Nobody else did that. The resurrection proves to us that Jesus is more. He's he's more than a moral teacher. He's more than a compassionate or benevolent person. Look, there's a lot of moral teachers out there and, and doing a lot of good stuff. And there's a lot of compassionate and benevolent people out there doing a whole lot of good stuff. And Jesus did that and he does that today. He cares He fed the hungry. He healed the hurting. He cares, and we need to, too. But if that's it, if that's all he was, guys, we're in trouble. If all he was was a compassionate man and a good teacher, we're in trouble because we have then no answer for the sin that we've all committed. We have then no answer for the broken relationship that our sin caused between us and God. And scripture makes that point there in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, where he says, if we've hoped in Christ in this life only, we're most to be pitied. If this is it, then we're most to be pitied. But then he says, but Christ has raised from the dead. And Jesus said in John 6, 40, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. That's what Jesus said. That's that's the hope that all humanity is looking for. Listen, the human spirit cannot live without hope. The human spirit cannot live without hope. The human spirit can endure the most horrific things in this world if it believes that there is either a purpose, a meaning, or a future on the other side of those things. And Jesus didn't hide for us that, that in this world, in this fallen world, that things would be tough. He, he said to his disciples, he says, I, I'm telling you some things now so that in me you'll have peace. He, he said, in this world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome this world. He's giving them hope, though they were going to face some very daunting things. In First John, it says, For whatever is born of God overcomes this world. And this is the victory that has overcome this world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes this world? But he who believes in Jesus is the son of God. And so Jesus said, there's things that are going to be tough in this world. But but with Jesus, there's always hope. In Romans chapter 8, 18, it says, Paul, who, as you study the life of Paul, went through some of the heaviest things, some of the, the, the most incredible trials. Paul said, For I consider 
the sufferings of this world at this present time are not worthy to be per- to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Paul's saying that, that my hope is in the future. This world has fallen, messed up, and, and my hope isn't here. And, and it's not even comparable to what lies ahead. The human spirit, guys, can't live without hope. I'm hoping that, that this morning, if you've been hopeless, you've come here and you're going to hear about hope. Because the human spirit can't live without hope. And we see this played out in the world around us. And you know this. When people have no hope, what do they do? They turn to substance abuse oftentimes. Because they're looking for something to fill that hole where the hope's supposed to be. Or when they have no hope. And we've seen this and it's touched our community. And we grieve over it. When they have no hope, they'll commit suicide. You can go online and and do a search for suicide and atheism. And you will be absolutely astounded. That in case and study after study, and in statistic after statistic, the largest group of people committing suicide are those who are rejecting God. Those who are convinced that there's nothing beyond this. And so when things start to go bad, they go, if this is it, I'm out. Those that don't believe that anything transcends this life. Another thing that you'll find if you do that study is that the atheistic countries of our world have the highest rates of suicide. Because when things start to go bad, they know no hope. Another thing you'll see is that the famous and prominent atheists of the last two centuries, over and over again, have late in life either gone insane or committed suicide. Because when things begin to start to look bleak and this life that they had put all their hope in begins to wind down, they know no hope. Here's why that is. Because God has built us with eternity in our hearts, it says in Ecclesiastes 3.11. It's built into us, that hope. God has built us with eternity in our hearts. And when you harden your heart to that, you kill the very hope that God has created for you, which is a real and meaningful and dynamic relationship with him for all of eternity. Guys, that's what God wants for you. Relationship with him. He's nuts about you. If you don't get anything from this except this, guys, God is absolutely nuts about you. He gave his son on a cross for you. And in that, and only in that, is their ultimate hope. There is this misguided perception oftentimes that Jesus came just to make bad people better. Guys, that's not true. Jesus came to make dead people live. That's why we're here this morning. Because Jesus came to make dead people live. In John chapter 11, when confronted with the grieving sisters of Lazarus, 
and confronted with the question of what Jesus could do about it, Jesus turns to the sisters of Lazarus and says, I am the resurrection, and then raises Lazarus from the dead to prove it. In John chapter 6, when Jesus had said some very difficult things to the masses, and some of the people, as they didn't understand the things that Jesus was talking about, they then turned away and they walked away from Jesus. Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, do you guys want to leave too? And Peter turns and says this, Lord, to whom shall we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. We have believed and we have come to know that you're the Holy One of God. Peter says, we may not understand it, but we know you're the real deal, that you hold life and death in your hands. Where else are we going to go? There's nobody else, church. Nobody else said, I'm going to die, I'm going to be buried, see you guys in three days, and pulled it off. There's only one that holds life in his hands. And Jesus said, I and the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody go to the Father but through me. In Acts chapter 4, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name by which we must be saved. But when you belong to Jesus, Scripture tells us, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit that dwells in you. So so what do we do with that? How do we respond to that? Well, for the Christian, for those who have surrendered your life to Christ, Guys, we celebrate. Today is a celebration. We rejoice and we worship in what Jesus means to us and what Easter means and what the resurrection means to us. Knowing that eternity is taken care of and that our sin and our shame are gone and that we have nothing to fear in this life or the next. I love this passage in 1 Corinthians 15. Look down at verse 54 and notice what it says. Amazing passage. It says, But when this perishable will have put on imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, on my last day on this earth, when this perishable puts on imperishable, and when this mortal takes on immortality, then will come about the saying, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Death, where's your victory? O death, where's your sting? I got Jesus. And so today, for the Christian, we celebrate. Because in the resurrection, we got peace with Christ in a crazy world. We have hope knowing that that our eternity is locked down with Jesus. We've got purpose and meaning to our lives that you can find nowhere else in this world. and, And in that, we celebrate and we worship. 
And our worship should reflect that truth. In a minute, we're going to worship some more. And our worship should reflect what Jesus has done for us. We'll have communion up here. And as Christians, we'll come. Just come whenever you want and take communion. And you can stand where you are and raise your hands. You can get on your knees, but worship your Jesus. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, and there's freedom in worship. Now, if you don't know Jesus in that way, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, let me tell you, you have no greater need. At this moment in time, you have no greater need. It says in Acts chapter 17, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through the man Jesus Christ, whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. And God wants to remove from you today that fear of death. God wants to remove from you today that that fear of sin and shame. He wants to replace it with peace. He wants to replace it with hope and joy and a meaning and a purpose that you'll find nowhere else in this world. Listen, listen, the whole world is searching for and asking for, is there hope beyond this world? And Jesus answered with the resurrection. He answered with the empty tomb. And so I want to do two things now as we wind up and get into a time of worship. I want to make an offer for anybody that's never committed their life to Christ, never surrendered their life to Christ to do so now. But I also want to put a call out to anybody who's walked away from the Lord, who's been backslidden, and now you hear his word calling you back. You hear his spirit calling you back. Don't let this moment pass you by. And if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I want to give you that opportunity, but I want to tell you what it means first. It means that we're coming to Christ and we're repenting of sin. It means that we're saying, God, I am sorry for having rejected you and gone my own way. And I'm tired of doing it on my own. And we're saying to the Lord that I need you now. And I choose to follow you and I surrender my life to you. That's what it means. We don't do a whole close your eyes and raise your hand thing here. Because Jesus said, That if you confess me before the Father, I will confess you before the Father. If you deny me before the Father, I will deny you before the Father. So in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand up where you are if that's you. If you want to surrender your life to Christ today. But I want to give you his promise first. Jesus said in John chapter 5, 24, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my words and believes in him who sent me has eternal life, and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. That's Jesus' promise to you today. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asked this question to those around him, do you believe this? And so I want to ask you to be bold 
If you've come this morning and you want to surrender your life to Christ, whether for the first time or you've walked away and you want to come back to him, I'm just going to ask you to stand up where you are and we're going to celebrate and we are going to pray with you. Anybody, even outside, I can't really see you, but you can even come inside. All right, brother. Amen. Right on, right on. Praise the Lord. Anybody else, if you're outside and I can't see, you just come on inside. It's cool. Anybody else? All right, brother. Here's what I want to do, guys. I want to pray with you and just pray along and lift your heart to the Lord and know that in this moment you're forgiven, absolutely 100% forgiven, and the Lord loves you. He's absolutely nuts about you. Hallelujah. And afterwards, I want you to come up here and see me because I just want to celebrate with you for a minute. Give you a Bible if you don't have. Let's pray, guys. Father, we come before you and we praise you for the empty tomb. Lord, we confess that we have sinned apart from you. We've walked apart from you and we're sorry. Lord, we surrender our life to you now. We ask you to forgive us of all of that junk. You know about our junk, Lord. There's nothing that we've done that you haven't seen, and there's nothing that we've done that you won't forgive, and we praise you for that, Jesus. Lord, we ask for the strength now to walk with you. Lord, we pray that you would guide us now, guide us to your word, guide us to times of prayer, Build that just meaningful, dynamic, loving relationship that you want with us. Lord, we love you. We're sorry for our sin, and we now want to choose you and walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, after this... Guys, after this, you guys that stood or anybody else that that wants, I want you to come up and just see me. I'm going to stand up here and we're just going to celebrate for a minute together what you've done. And and if you need a Bible, give you a Bible, okay? Let's worship our Lord. He's risen. If you'd like to know more about our ministry here at The Mission, visit us online at www.themissionnorthshore.org. Thanks for listening and God bless.